Are you still awake over there? It's been a long week. It's tech week. Tech Ladies week is we're moving in the, the, the theater. My kids are in musical theater. They're doing Shrek. It's awesome. But yeah, it's been long, long Fantastic. days. Fantastic. Speaking about musical theater, I want to talk about La La Land today. It's part of my sermon prep for this Sunday morning. Before you turn the music off, please don't turn the music off. I am so not ready for you to turn do, the music do, off. Do, do, do. I am so not ready for you to ruin it with singing. Do, do, oh. do, do, do. No, but uh, I don't I don't want to like, you know, make a big deal out of this. But you couldn't concentrate for more than 15 seconds before you were doing something else for the last hour before we came down here to get in this podcast. Yeah, that's true. You were trying to talk me through what our... Uh episode was going to be on and I was fiddling with stuff trying to get stuff out there I got a few suggestions for you are these Lenten suggestions since it's, yeah, it is Ash Wednesday exactly. okay you're going to pasture me cut a little back bit here cut on the coffee not going to happen okay well, well then increase the amount of coffee <laughs> actually yeah, since I have ADD if I increase coffee it'll probably call me it's probably true I although my... I'm turning 40 soon and it's kind of it's kind of uh, ruining get my, over it get over it it's ruining my just equilibrium no my body's changing I can't the coffee carbs it's changing not that any one of our listeners cares but <laughs> it's changed i'm going through the change all right this is my <laughs> signal to get on to business here because i don't all know right. what he's going to say next ash wednesday but this year it also lines up with valentine's day which i think is a pretty interesting kind of uh, and this kind of leads me to collision of uh ideas of christian uh love and cultural love and selfhood and being and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is, I think, uh, uh, an important theme to examine as we enter into Lent. Uh, I'm preaching on Mark 1, 40 through 45, uh, where the leper comes before Christ kneeling and says, if you choose, or another interpretation or translation, if you are willing, you can heal me. Remember Mm -hmm. that? Yeah, And then what happens there is an astounding transformation of selfhood and Jesus actually enters into a situation, not as a discreet self, if I can put it that way, not as somebody over against him, but enters into a situation and heals him. And I just want to talk about the impact that can have on our understanding of how Lent works. Are you ready for this? Yes, as long as you promise to define what a discreet self is. Did I say discreet self? Then we'll be good, yes. Okay, that was... <laughs> that was my bad. Non-philosophy majors, he just means an individual person. Yeah. So I think, uh, like, what I'd like to explore here, just let, let's just say there's two versions of the self currently uh, in the discourse of our United States of America, and I think it might help to describe those two so, two selves. So if I can call one the discrete self, and and the other one the subject, I think you, Mister O, great continental philosopher. Yes. You probably can do a good job of describing these two things, but I'll take a first stab at it, okay? I'll yep. try to do it. And what I always ask of my students at Northern Seminary, do it in three sentences or less. And if you can't do it in three sentences or less, don't do it. Stop yourself. Think a little bit. Organize your thoughts. And then do it in three sentences or less. I think that's a key. Uh, I'm getting off topic here, but I think that's a great 
uh, does that communication count as, skill. Does that count as one of your sentences? Or is that no, I haven't even started yet. Okay. Okay, so for this, I'd call the discrete self, the self as pictured in the terms laid down by the great Rene Descartes, cogito ergo sum. It's a thinking mind with a body that you can make up your own mind, discrete. You are autonomous. You're in control of yourself. And you are telling yourself what to do. You're a discrete unity unto yourself. The subject is, um, I, I'd say this is kind of like, you know, I don't know, uh, Michel Foucault, um, you know, Thomas Althusser, blah, blah, blah. Don't worry about that, folks. Uh, that's just some names <laughs> from ideological study. But there's a deep understanding here that the self is being formed. And it's being formed within power structures, internalizing power and desire. And there isn't, there isn't really a true discrete self. We are all shaped culturally into a location, into relationships, into, dare I say, power and oppression. So... An example of an awareness of this kind of subject would be the black subjectivity that is written so well by uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates. And uh, I've been reading his latest book, uh, We Were Eight Years in Power. The one before that is... Between the World. Between the World and Me. Okay, so you can see that there's now a new understanding of self. So there's these two selves, and I just want to riff on these uh, off of Mark chapter 1, verse 40, as a means to help pastors everywhere understand how to locate how we need to be located into the subjectivity of Christ in Lent and Lent and Lent is the place where we can do that work. But go on, what do you think about so my So real dis- quick the a review here um, or a summary is that the self or the the Cartesian self sometimes it's called the unencumbered self is one without attachments who is individual pursuing his own goals uh, and I want to say he usually uh, certainly white male, he, individual uh, kind of person. And then the subject or subjectivity, as opposed to like the self, is an encumbered, uh, um, enmeshed, although that sounds too negative, but certainly culturally situated subject that uh, knows that it's part of lots of relationships, power relationships, gender, sexual relationships, some not even of their own choosing. Um, and... And so that's the subject who is kind of connected and interconnected with all oh, okay. these other people. Did okay. I summarize can, it or did summar- I make it more complicated? Can you, can you summarize? You are, no. The okay. self is the individual. The subject is connected to all these other people. All right. Great. Great. And uh, so a lot of you folks are wondering what's going on here. What does this have to do with Mark 1? Why are they talking like this? Uh, why does Holesclaw... talk about philosophy <laughs> so much? You brought it up. I know. I know. I just like to deflect. It's just a deflect mechanism. Do we need to turn this into a counseling session? You, do you I don't to, think that would be a good idea, at least for this podcast. Okay. But um, here's what I... So I'm writing a sermon, uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 40. By the way, there's this guy, Garrett. You know this guy? <laughs> He's in here taking pictures of me, and I'm trying not to be distracted. Okay. Uh, pictures you're, of I, us. I hear you're... Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Don't go this there. Podcast Don't a, do it. This podcast is a pretty you big promised. deal, evidently. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, let's get back on task. This, okay, Mark 1. Tell us about Mark Sunday 1. This Sunday is the first Sunday of Lent. 
and I'm preaching out of Mark 1, 40 to 45. Evidently, it's the second cycle of lectionary because last night in the pastor's meeting, I realized that I was on the wrong lectionary cycle, and they gave me another text, but they said I could do this text anyway since I already started prep. I prep about 10 hours a week, and I get most of my 10 hours in before even Sunday morning when I go to McDonald's try and write a sermon. But anyways, I want to start the sermon off with La La Land. It just so happened that I was watching the movie La La Land. Is that the name of the movie? I believe so. And um, I was watching the movie in Pasadena last Saturday night because I was all alone. I couldn't get back to Chicago on a plane because of the snow problems we were having. And it's about, uh, it's about this issue of my subjectivity, about who am I and how am I in control of the world and how do I navigate when the world disappoints me? And what does God have to do with it? Now, that last sentence is not true in the movie. But the movie is about one, an actress who for six years is pursuing her dream of being an actress in Hollywood like every, never mind, I won't say anything negative about that. But she's going to audition after audition while she's working in a coffee shop, you know, um, making lattes for people. And um, she's getting frustrated and frustrated going to another audition. I mean, it sounds like your sons are in this, doing auditions. No, musical theater, yeah. And then, have they seen La La Land? Because it's a musical. I don't think so. Well, anyways, the other uh, person, the other key uh, actor in this is a guy who wants to save jazz. He's a jazz musician, and he's playing real jazz, and he wants to save pure. Everyone's given up jazz. He wants to play the real thing, preserve jazz, save jazz, and open or own a jazz club that not only plays pure jazz, but... Um, but develops it and gives it a place for living. You know, jazz is more than just music. It's life itself. So this is the, the setup. And so what happens is, I mean, he's playing at restaurants, playing Christmas music during Christmas. They're both frustrated. They somehow fall in love. But then success comes at, at the worst of time. So, uh, she gets, uh, they're faced with decisions like, I'm giving this up, am I going... I'm giving up my career. Uh, am I going to pursue this love affair? Are my dreams going to come true? And the moment of truth comes. She gets an offer of a lifetime, a callback, they call it, to have a major role on a TV show. And he gets a, a gig with a major jazz band that's going to pay him a 1000 bucks a week. It's going to enable him to, to own a club and do all these things. And anyways, Mia says, Mia's the girl, she says, here's to the ones who dream. Foolish though they may be. Here's to the hearts that ache. Here's to the mess we make. Isn't that a description of the self in America today? Dreaming dreams, wanting to fulfill our dreams. Here's to the hearts that ache when we don't get the dreams we're pursuing. And it's so difficult. It's so struggling. What do you think? So it's this idea of the individuals pursuing their dreams and then the tragic results, having to choose between one life of love and another life of success. Well, that's choices we have to make and these types of things. And, and, and the fact is we're pursuing dreams and we got to go for it. And, and life keeps hitting us between the eyes with a two by four. But, you know, this is part of life and we're just going to... This is American. This is what we raise our kids with. 
the discrete self. You can do anything you want. You can be anything you want. You can be president of the United States. The whole world's open to you if you just work hard enough and and pursue your dreams. Now, do you know what I'm talking about? You can be an Olympic champion. What's the... uh, The Olympics are on now, Winter Olympics. Yeah, what's the Whitney Houston song from 20 years ago? I don't know. Sorry. Oh, man, I, I, I... so it's, what's it's, another option? So we have well, La La Land. All this just to say. Tragic, dreaming. Sebastian is telling me, uh, I'm letting life hit me until it gets tired. Then I'll hit back. It's a classic rope-a-dope. Uh, that's a great line. It's a classic rope-a-dope. That's the kind of person America is raising us to be. Keep fighting. And when things don't go well, keep working at it. And, and unfortunately... I don't think that's what God's calling us into in terms of life with Christ, uh, a life centered under my control, pursuing the dreams that I have chosen for myself. And when things go bad, I'm going to keep fighting. I, I find that discreet view of the self as insufficient. What do you think? Yes, I, yeah. Well, I think, I think it's, a small, well, I want to hear the rest of your the rest of your setup here because certainly. By the way, La La Land has a great ending, which just certainly. feeds on this whole issue even okay. worse. And pastors, if you're looking for a good story to get people into thinking about who am I in relation to God, I think La La Land's a good one. Um, but okay, so here we come to the text, and the text says, "I got to get my Bible out," but. It's, it's Mark chapter 1, and it's verse 40. And it goes something like this, if I can read it without my glasses, because I got very small print. A leper came to him, begging him and kneeling. Kneeling mm-hmm. is not inconsequential. It is the posture before the king and the Lord of Lords. And he says to him, if you choose, you can make me clean. If you choose, or another way to say this is, if you are willing, you can heal me. And, and, and I've, don't, don't you find that part of the text interesting? Um, a, a person in need is acknowledging. I mean, normally when I come and pray and I'm in desperation, I'm going, Lord, please do it for me right now, please. I want it now. I want to be in control. Mm-hmm. I want to find a way to convince God to do it for me. Uh, it's me against God. We're fighting this out. Right. That's the discrete self. Right. You have to balance the desires. It's a, uh, what are they called? A some zero game. If somebody benefits, someone else is losing. Uh-oh. But this, But this person comes up. Before Christ, kneeling, in fact, submitting his life, his body to Christ. And he says, you could do this if you want. I, I think it's a little more than that. If you are willing, you can heal me. If you choose, it's recognizing that I am not the one in control. Mm-hmm. I am not a discreet self. In and it's a testing of, of the self. Uh, I want to be healed, but what I want isn't necessarily the most important thing. I'm wondering what you want, because you are the king, you are the Lord. It's some 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 way he knew 
Jesus was the one to come to. But he came to him not demanding, but actually submitting his own his entire situation. I if mean, you're willing, if it's the best thing for all of us that I'd be healed, then let it, let it be so. And we all know the leper is the despised one, the marginalized one, the one who has to go outside the gates of the city, the one who's just basically got to go there to keep himself from everybody else and just go die. The despised one. And you would think. So he had already been excluded from community, and yet he's still relating as if he's part of the community. I don't. If you're willing. Yeah. I don't know about that. Maybe, I mean, you, you've studied this passage too. What's your favorite commentary on the book of Mark? Eugene, boring. Uh, boring was good. And uh, actually the binding, the strong man, that one's so good. Oh, I can't. Chad Myers. Yeah. Chad Myers. That was so good. The interesting reversal, maybe you're going to get to this later is that the leper who is the one despised and outside of community needing to live in the wilderness now reenters community. But then he shares what Jesus did for him. And so now at the end of this passage, Jesus himself can't enter into a city and he has to be in the wilderness. So they actually switch places. Isn't that a picture of substitution, of, of, uh, of taking the sin Ooh. and the pain away? And Jesus, you know, he's the scapegoat. He is being driven into the wilderness. That's another, I love oh, that, that part. I yeah. probably jumped in front of you yeah, on that. Well, there, you but. complicated things. Okay, so we're, we're sticking right, on the theme back a little bit. of the Lenten self being shaped by Jesus. And so Jesus, uh, in a disputed word there, um, uh, the original and, and actually more reliable text says Jesus gets angry. Jesus is disgusted. disgusted. Jesus is somehow reviled. Another version, another word, supposedly a later redaction says, Jesus has compassion. I mean, I actually think that's a good interpretive overlay of the original. He's angry. I think a lot of times, like when we try to pin anger on Jesus, we do it as a discreet self. I'm angry at you, and I want to hurt you, or I want to get back at you, or I want to control and get justice out of an unjust situation. I'm angry. But no, Jesus' anger actually takes him to be with the poor, the hurting. Anger is something we express with this person. And out of that, Jesus is with him, opens up space for him to work in and through the suffering to heal. That's, I would, I would argue, I want to hear your commentary on this whole thing, because everyone knows you're supposedly the better, the better exegete than I am. Are you saying that as a discreet self or as a or a conditioned subjectivity. I'm playing off you a little bit because I really don't. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I, I think, uh, like you said, most translations say compassion, but it seems like the earliest sources say something like disgust or angry. And people, and, and it's understandable, why would Jesus be angry at this poor leper? Uh, he's already suffered enough. But I think it is, like you said, it's this anger of solidarity. It's uh, a frustration or a disgust that the world is broken, that this man has to be suffering exclusion from community and the, the destruction of his own body. And Jesus is just upset that the world is broken in this way and he can't contain himself. And so it's a, a righteous anger on behalf of this person, not against him, um, that, that this anger comes out. Yeah, and so I see very much, if I can play off continental philosophy one more time, 
I see so Who's bringing up the philosophy? The subject. I see the, the, the individual as subject being played out here versus the discrete self that we so often live our lives within in America. And God is calling us in and through Jesus Christ during this Lent time to have a self that's formed out of our relationship with God in the world, which means we have to come to him kneeling, giving up control. If you choose, if you are willing, if it is according to your will. A lot of people say that's, uh, um, a lot of people when you pray for healing, you know, if it's according to your will, a lot of people say that's, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, letting God off. Um, not having faith that it'll really happen. Oh, sure. It's like yeah. too complacent or it's too... Yeah, uh, you're not really believing passive. it's going to happen. You're not claim, naming and claiming it. So wrong. I think, and this this is played out in the Anglican uh, uh, rite of, of praying, of unction and praying for the, the healing of the sick, is no, we subject our body. It's a question of it, not, not uh, if I believe he can heal because the leper says... If you can, I know you can. It's a matter of are you willing? So our trust and faith is in God who can do all things. But then we place ourselves into his uh, will and into his working in relation to him as a located subject with all of that means. And then that opens the space for God to come in in his very presence to be with us. And he's angry with us, not against us. He's angry with us, and he wants justice. And he's going to work in and through us for justice in the world, for healing in our bodies, but healing in the world. It's a marvelous text that explains what we have to go through to become the Lenten subject. Can I put it that way? The Lenten subject. So this leper is a model. It's an imitation for us. To kneel, to seek healing, but most importantly, to seek God's will for our lives. Um, and Jesus himself gonna, even imitated this, right? In the garden, uh, not my will, but yours be done. Uh, and he himself suffered death uh, and destruction for our behalf. So Jesus never asks us to do anything that he hasn't already done himself. Yeah, and so Lent, when we say, uh, I'm going to give up uh, food, I'm going to give sweets, up sweets, chocolates, I'm going to give up Facebook, which, frankly, I advise you to do this. You're going to give up hockey? Uh, a little too early in the season for me to do that, <laughs> but um, I actually, the Blackhawks are so bad, I've given up True. watching. Um, you know, uh, so you and I were reading a, a tweet from Ben Sternkey where he says, fasting doesn't make me grumpy. It reveals that grumping is how I respond when I don't get what I want. In other words, when I reveal, when it's revealed, I'm a discreet self. I mean, I want to be in control, and I'm not. Now I get grumpy. That's me, and I have a chance to be formed in, in, into a relation with God that shapes my grumpiness into holiness. Y'all, y'all have heard. You've heard this a million times. When. People get married the first year or two. They're saying things like, I can't believe I did not know I was this much of a selfish jerk. I had no idea. <laughs> I'm still saying that. Marriage is death, years as later. we say, right? Um, but that's what Lent does to you. Mm -hmm. It reveals how much you want to be in control and how much and, and, and how 
giving that up opens up space for God in Christ by his presence of the Holy Spirit to come into your life and work and move and shape your life for healing, renewal in the world. That, to me, was, is what Lent is all about. Have you got anything to add, oh, oh great one? No, I think that's good, except for maybe in future episodes we shouldn't use subjectivity nearly as much. But besides that, how can we You be... didn't like the two selves? I, I'm, I'm no, into... no, I like the distinction. I just We'll have to keep working on how to make that clear. Your, maybe your, your, your listeners favorite... can jump in on Facebook and give us a, a, what you heard us saying in, a, in an easier way to say it. So if you want to jump in on Twitter or Facebook or uh our Theology on Mission Facebook page, that would be super helpful for whenever we teach this again. Yeah, and by the way, um, uh, I think Gulick in his commentary on Mark, who was a teacher of mine here at Northern many, many years ago, I think he says this is the a narrative that, op- that is the transition narrative that leads into the conflictual healing narratives. So now it's amazing how healing creates conflict going forth in the in the ensuing stories that come forth after Mark chapter 1, verse 45. Mm-hmm. I find that interesting that healing isn't um, doesn't stop you from growing, doesn't solve the problem. It actually deals with some issues that disrupt in our lives. Lent. Again, another lesson for Lent. Here's another, here's my last point, and then we can just... How, how where are we at on time? We gotta wrap it up. Okay. Yeah, I just got one more uh, thing to say on Lent, um, and this comes from um, Hauerwas. Who else? All right. Who else? But Hauerwas. Um, wait a minute. Where is it? Do I have it here? Oh no, that's the wrong. Okay, here it is. Yeah, here it is. Hauerwas when he was with us last June at the Theology on Mission lectureship. Uh-huh. By the way, who's who's coming this June? Theology and Mission. Soon Chan Soon Ra. Soon Chan Ra is going to be with us. He's going to be talking. The title we just got yesterday. Lament and cultural engagement. Yeah, um, it's going to be great, folks. But anyways, um, Hauerwas loves this book, The Shepherd's Life, by an Oxford scholar called Rebanks, who becomes his name Rebanks. That's his last name, R E B A N K S, and now he's a uh, he's a shepherd. And there comes a time in his life uh, where he recounts in this book how his flock has gone out and, and grazed in the various rocky places, but now they're down back in the grass in the home fields, and, and everything is just fantastic. And, and the dogs, his well-trained dogs, Floss and Tan, uh, uh, are there relaxed, and he's relaxed, and they come down, and they all lay down in the field, and he breathes in the cool mountain air, and he... And he and then he says this, he says, ah, this is my life. I want no other. This is my life. I want no other. It's that place of content, contentment, um, that place where I am not in control, where I become content in what I do. And I've often said that's a, that's a hard place for young pastors to get to. But they have to get to that place before they can get it to any other place and lent is a great space of 40 days to Mm -hmm. allow god to get you to that place wherever you are pastoring whatever the mess and it's always a mess folks 
whatever issues you're dealing with, until you can get to that place, this is my life, I want no other, then God can't come in and work. It's a lot like the leper coming to Jesus. If you choose, I know I'm not in control. You can do this. I open my life to you, and Jesus is able to enter in. I just encourage that to be the space we are looking to uh, enter in as we go into Lent tonight, Wednesday night, Ash Wednesday, whenever you put those ashes on your forehead. Yep, tonight. I'll just uh, finish off with uh, a saying from uh, Dallas Willard that I heard many years ago before he passed away. This is at an Ash Wednesday service that he was presiding over. He said, the cross is the way home. The cross is the way home. And that's, that's the, how we get to the place that you were saying, I think. That, this uh, is my life. This is my life. I want no other. Yes. I could go on a little riff here about moving to the northwest suburbs and not liking it. Save it for next time. And how I had to get very comfortable before God could do anything in my life or at North at Life on the Vine. Uh-huh. It's a it's a repeated repeated theme in my life. This is my life. I want no other. Well, this is Jeff Falsclaw, Dave Fitch, Theology and Mission brought to you by Northern Seminary, signing off for our first podcast of Lent. I thought you were going to say our first podcast of, of the next year or something. No, just of Lent. I think you were just riffing on that. But ladies and gentlemen, we wish you a good Lent. We wish you uh, many joyous or many difficult struggling moments uh, of victory in the next 40 days. We wish you a slow, we painful look. Lent where you will be ministered <laughs> to by God Christ. May God bless you, inspire you, encourage you, give you perseverance as we go through this together in Jesus' name. Over and out until Amen. next time. Theology and Mission Podcast.